Well, Shelley, welcome, welcome. Thank you for being on Cosmic Voices. I'm going to hang up and listen. I hope everyone else is going to enjoy this show. Listen to Shelley Francis. Blessings until next month. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Dulcie. Well, our special guest today is Shelley Francis, a founder of a new publishing company called Creative Courage Press based in Palisade, Colorado. She is the author of a book called The Courage Way, Leading and Living with Integrity. It was published in 2018, and Shelley is passionate about the idea of creating courage for the complexity of being human. In writing The Courage Way, she discovered there are many types of courage, and that courage takes trust. These are some of the refreshing ideas that show up in the book she is publishing with other remarkable authors. The first book she launched for Creative Courage Press this spring is by a doctor called, named Mukta Panda and is titled Resilient Threads, Weaving Joy and Meaning into Well-Being. This is definitely something we'd like to talk about now. And she's also a photographer uh, I love that she coined a new job title called a metaphotographer because she takes pictures looking for the underlying metaphor in the in the photo. And Shelley has a thing for elephants as a metaphor for courage and wholeness, which shows up in her business logo and Instagram feed. Shelley joins us today to talk about finding your own creative courage, especially in this time of the coronavirus. Shelley, we're so happy to have you here with us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So... I mean, listening to Dulcie talk about all of these changes, you know, planetary shifts, um, you know, planets going retrograde, retreating, staying home. I mean, this just seems the perfect time to talk to you about creating courage, the the creativity of courage, the courage of creativity. Um, I mean, in a lot of different ways, whether it's about art or just the, the... courage to be creative and how we are alive. And then when Dulcie's telling us that it's a good time to retreat and stay home, um, tell us your thoughts about, I mean, tell us about your book. Tell us about your thoughts about this. I mean, how do we create the courage to do what we need to do today? Well, certainly a time when everybody is thinking about um, scary things like a pandemic and how do we stay healthy? Where, where am I going to get my next paycheck if I'm on furlough or if I've lost my job? So um, this has brought the entire world to a halt, needing courage, and any solutions that are going to come from it are going to have a lot of complexity to them. So we're going to need a lot of people connecting to what they know and what they can contribute in a creative way so that we can overcome this. And really, it's a chance to reinvent our world into something new. We're seeing how many systems are really broken from healthcare to um, how education is run, uh, the government, I mean, um, even uh, churches are, are doing business differently these days. And so all of this is going to require courage. Um, when I was writing The Courage Way for a nonprofit based in Seattle called the Center for, the, for Courage and Renewal, the question was, how do we equip people for courage? And how do they renew their commitment to themselves and to the institution or the organization that they work for? How do we really connect soul and role? And in the process, um, I interviewed 120 people at least um, over many years. And what I came to understand or just blew my mind is that, that courage actually takes trust. 
And that's one of the things I'd love to talk about. And also just that there are more than, there's more than one kind of courage. This seems like a really unique time to be talking about trust. Can you tell us more about that? Well, certainly trust has been broken in many ways, I'd say, across the world. Uh, It's hard to know who to trust in the news that we're receiving. How can we trust that the protective equipment that we have will will keep us healthy and safe? Um, How can I trust that I will be okay even if I can't see down the road a week from now or three months from now or much less two years from now? So trust is something that we need both internally. How do I trust myself? How do I trust other people? But also, how do I trust in life overall? And what does it take to build trust? Um, have we had good experiences about trust in our growing up years, in our family? Um, or do we tend to fall into a um, more fear and anxiety around trust? It seems like, I mean, we're bombarded on a daily basis with, um, you know, the facts about how many deaths there are with, you know, I I think there's the idea that we hear a lot about, you know, people not wanting to take responsibility for where we are, not wanting to, you know, wanting to blame someone. Um, I really don't want to go into the whole fake news things, but, but it is difficult to... I mean, do do we want to spend time in that world or do we have to create another reality for ourselves to live in in order to keep going in a positive way? Well, I do believe that humans can uh, tap into amazing inner resources of creativity to co-create with each other something new that is for the common good that can be um, for all of us. Um, in this, you know, in what I wrote about was that we're, in this time that feels so volatile and uncertain, it's complex and it's ambiguous. Um, so what do we do with that? Um, and a lot of the way that we, we first respond to these kinds of challenging times and conditions depends on our biology and our, um, our instincts for where we go out of, uh, when we're under stress. And this has been uh, surprising, too, to, to take it beyond the typical stress reactions that we think about. We, everybody knows fight or flight. We, t- we hear about that all the time. So are you someone who wants to jump in and fight the battle? Um, are you quick to um, speak up and take charge? Or do you want to run away and just forget about everything? So that would be fight or flight. Freeze is another sort of that deer in headlights moment where the overwhelm can just shut you down and it can show up as just a total blank face, words that just can't come out of your mouth. You just have, um, or just that you're, you can't even see what step to take. So you're just frozen in time um, and feel anywhere from um, scared to just apathetic. Um, A fourth F word that I learned in writing this book is called, is the word flock. And that's the idea um, of flocking to your people. Um, It's kind of funny to think about that when we're talking about herd mentality. Um, But it can be tend and befriend. It can be finding your tribe. But it can also show up as peer pressure and a real exclusionary, polarized, um, us-against-them mentality. Um, So all four of these stress responses 
sound negative, but they're there for our survival, and there can be positive aspects of each one of them. Um, when it's, uh, you know, we fight for our rights, we stand up and we do what needs to be done. Um, sometimes we leave for really good reasons when it's time to just go leave a situation without regret or um, leave a toxic and unhealthy relationship. Now, that certainly takes courage. Um, Freezing can say, you know, I'm just going to pause for a moment and think. I'm going to take my time to make a decision. I'm not going to rush into it. Um, And flock, you know, it's finding your people. It's finding um, a sense of community. So those, I think of those four F words, almost like the corners we go to when we're under stress. But there's always a fourth option, which I learned about, which is the idea of fortify. How can we fortify ourselves during these stressful times? And I like to think of the circle in the middle of this four-cornered box, and that's where I would put fortitude. And fortitude is another word for courage. And it's in the center, so it's that sense of centering and grounding yourself and fortifying yourself before you make a decision. And maybe my response is usually to freeze or to run away, but what would give me courage and fortify myself to fight for something, to speak up, to stand out, um, to look inward, to right wrongs? I wrote a poem in the book that um, often comes into my mind that just kind of summarizes some of um, the concepts. Um, so fortitude and fortifying ourselves are um, are a pathway to finding our courage. How can we practice finding what rejuvenates and restores us before or so that courage is accessible right when we need it? Does that make sense? Yes. What comes to my mind is I think of that as my stake in the ground. You know, it's the thing that I can, you know, when all else fails, I know this, this is my core value. This is, this is my, this is my reason for being, this is my, my value that I bring to the world. And I really love that concept. But I think sometimes when we're stressed, when things are happening around us, I mean, there's, there's a question in my mind, okay, where's my value? Uh, (laughs) What am I doing for the world? You know, what am I doing for me? Why am I here? And I think sometimes, you know, when we're in a stressful situation, it's hard to, you know, decide. It's like I've read some things, like somebody said they were trying to read a book and they couldn't get past a couple of pages before they lost their focus. So they were trying to do this. I think sometimes, you know, how do, how do we, how do we find that place where we can continue to move through there? Well, you know, if you've got six, you know, we're talking about, you know, I could lose my job. I have this skill, this skill, and this skill. How do I know which one to move towards? Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, And that is kind of goes back into what does it take to muster your courage? Um, And I think what can help is to think about that. There's more than one kind of courage. We're not just talking about um, that, standard physical bravery that might be the first one that comes to mind of uh, jumping into the fray or the the courage to overcome an illness, which is certainly one of the things we're facing right now. You know, a lot physical courage often comes in the moment and you do it because you have to. Um, people, other people may look at you and say that was courageous, um, but it's just what you had to do to survive. Um, and some people really um, are trained to do things physically, 
that look courageous and heroic, but it's what they're trained to do. It's a level of competence. Um, then that moral courage of just knowing what's right. I love that you tied it into knowing your values and knowing that this is where you want to put your stake in the ground. People who do more, who ex- display moral courage on a really big basis might be whistleblowers or people like um, Martin Luther King or um, Malala Yousafzai more like um, more recently or Nelson Mandela. Um, those kind of big examples of moral courage give people a sense of um, possibility for what they need to do to, um, to take care of themselves and their family or their children or their, their parents or their, um, their community um, social courage is something that we ha- that not many people have named, but uh, researchers like Brené Brown have made more more common. And social courage is risking a vulnerability. It's risking uh, rejection or loss for the possibility of love and connection and a sense of belonging. And this ties into what you're saying is when I. For instance, if you've lost your job or you don't know what's coming, if you hunker down and feel like you're all alone and you have to do it all by yourself, um, you don't have a you you may not have a sense of community support. But if you're willing to risk saying, "I'm scared, I need help, I don't know where to look," could somebody help me with my resume? Or do you know somebody who's looking for someone like me who has these skills? I mean, we're kind of talking about the job loss situation, but um, even if uh, it's reaching out to say, hey, I'm really nervous about going to the grocery store because of an underlying health condition, would you be willing to lend me a hand or help me order? If I order groceries, will you go pick them up? That's That takes a level of social courage. Um, and it's also an act of self-care to ask for help and to trust that somebody will say yes. And I think we're seeing that in the news all the time, all the happy stories of just this burgeoning of people who are willing to reach out and help and know their neighbors for the first time, maybe because we've otherwise we've just been so focused internally on um, our commute or our other lives or um, so I think social courage, if I just jump to that, I summing that up, I think is something that we're seeing more of these days. Um so creative courage is the, the next um, on the spectrum of courage, and that is not just being art, art, arty with your crafts or being a painter, being a writer, being a musician. It's the idea of coming up with creative solutions, creating community, um, creating meaning from the challenges that you're going through, um, creating new visions and symbols that people can rally around. That's kind of leaning a little bit more toward the artistic side. But, um, you know, when you see people, um, like Yo-Yo Ma, who's been doing, um, daily cello and that there's sort of music for sheltering in place or the, um, in Italy where at seven o'clock, um, they started singing their national anthem or other people at seven o'clock cheering for healthcare leaders. Like those are acts of courage that combine social courage with, um, a creative courage um, that bring us together and I think have inspired and encouraged other people to think of what they can do to support um, each other more locally. And it's also an opportunity to not feel so alone. Mm-hmm. I think some 
this whole thing, going through this whole thing, sometimes it's just, you know, we've been home for a long time and some of us have not been interacting with people at all. And, you know, there can be that moment of, oh, uh, I haven't seen another live human being in a really long time and I'm not sure when that's going to happen again. And to be able to, I mean, like you're talking about being creative, like how can I, how can I make that happen? How can I, um, and people are doing that. They're coming up with Zoom meetings and, and Zoom cocktail hours and uh, Zoom card games and, and different ways to connect and, and to, you know, to touch another person's life. Mm-hmm. Like reading stories to your grandchildren over the phone or through Zoom. I oh. saw a zoo in Seattle that's um, had zookeepers reading a story about um, an elephant with baggy pants, and they were doing it with animals in the background. I mean, there's just so many ways to reach out, and thank goodness for the technology that we have to be able to do that. And what about the people who are just hunkering down at home, turning off technology, and just having quiet time reading directly to their kids because they're not, they're able to um, spend that time. I mean, I know that's a really double-edged sword right now with homeschooling being such a shock for so many people. Um, But the cooking, and think of all the people who are learning how to do sourdough bread right now. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. But how do, that's, I love all of these ideas you're bringing up. I love the zookeeper reading the book. Say say you're an older person at home. How do you how do you hear about all of these different ideas? I think some people don't know that all of this stuff is going on around them. How do how do you find this stuff? Do you just search? I mean, I, I I'm assuming that everybody has a computer where, computer where they can search uh, activities happening in my life. Well, I think that's one of the things that people who are privileged to have technology and computers need to be aware of that not everyone is equipped with um, even knowing how to get onto Zoom in the first place or what the heck is Zoom because that's a new verb that is suddenly in the world. Yes. Um, and so I think that takes an awareness and a compassion for people to say, hey, I don't live by my grandparents, or, but there's that neighbor down the road I hardly talk to or down the hallway in the, in the apartment Maybe I could reach out and knock on the door and see if they need anything. Um, and maybe sometimes it's not about technology, but it's about rediscovering the things that you've loved that you've set aside a long time. So maybe it's just finding new TV shows to watch or um, getting your book out or journaling or puzzles. Puzzles. A lot of people I'm hearing are doing puzzles these days. I love that you had the option, though. It's not necessarily technology, that some people actually are turning everything off and being silent by themselves. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to that? Well, that's sort of the inner work that Dulce was talking about earlier, is that it's scary to look inward at your life and take a moment, take this opportunity to say, hey, is everything working in my life, or is this an opportunity to reflect and think about what would uh, bring me more joy or what have I always wanted to do? Or uh, is this the moment to start doing that? Or who haven't I reached out to that I've been thinking about, but I've kept putting it off. So um, what gives us courage to look inward um, can be just, it goes back to trust. What can I trust if I look inward that would I discover can serve me. So it's about having a growth mindset, um, hoping to learn something from 
reflecting on your past or to be rejuvenated and excited about something that you used to love that you've, you're making time for again? The question that just keeps popping up in the back of my mind, you know, some of us, even before the pandemic started, could go to that mindset of, oh my God, what if this happens? Oh my God, what if I get sick? Oh, what if, what if this happens? What if that happens? I think, uh, I would, yeah, I just think that it's a really negative place to spend our time, but at the same time, well, I guess it comes back to trust, doesn't it? That to make, make friends with the unknown, to not worry about, you know, what might happen tomorrow, but to, to place our attention and our love and our joy in today? Well, certainly that's about being present and being grounded in the moment. And for me, it's also about learning to let go of control. Um, I, have this, <laughs> I have this mantra that my uh, handwriting teacher of mine uh, gave me that I just love, um, that I find very powerful, but it's, I let go of the need to control. Divine grace fuels my life. And you can just write that for, you know, a few minutes on a page and let it sink in and rewire your brain. Um, but it is about trust. There's also another great song that I've been listening to a lot lately by a folk singer named Carrie Newcomer. And her song is called Learning to Sit with Not Knowing. Mm. And in this time of uncertainty, how can we let the not knowing let life and possibilities bubble up? Rather than going down that drain of fear and anxiety, um, there's a children's book, something about following turtles all the way down. I forget the title of it. Um, But we can certainly get hooked into um, the negative thinking or the fear. But when we connect with other people or we connect with things that bring us meaning in our values, that can help us come back to a sense of hopefully possibility um, and a little bit of peace. But I know that's really hard when you're in survival mode. I want to remind our listeners that you're listening to Cosmic Voices on KAFM Community Radio. And support for Cosmic Voices comes from the staff at Main Street Minerals and Beads at 524 Main Street. Main Street Minerals and Beads is your source for beads, rocks, bindings, and jewelry in the Grand Junction. More information at 241-4116. And our special guest today is Shelly Francis, and she's giving us ideas. I mean, we're talking about courage, courage to create, different levels of courage, different types of courage. Um, Do you want to speak to courage, the courage of creativity when it comes to like art and things like that? Or Sure. You know, I think for me, I have always um, loved drawing and um, painting and uh, used to grow up sewing clothes. My grandma taught me how to sew. Um, my dad is an architect and also an amazing um, pen and ink uh, drawer, and he, um, drawer, uh, artist. Uh, my mom is a beautiful painter. My sister is an amazing musician and singer. But those weren't the things that were, were our day job. Um, those are things that uh, gave us pleasure like hobbies. So... I have always been fascinated with the idea that um, that art doesn't have to be something we get paid for or something that has to hang in a museum, but something that can bring us joy um, and pleasure and just kind of a messy experimentation of playing a sense of playfulness. Um, and yet I wonder if more people felt like their 
work, their artistry um, had meaning to offer to the world if more people would have the courage to share what some of their creations are, um, even if it's just with a few friends or family. So I'm not sure I answered your question, but kind of there's a balance between art for the fun of it, art to make meaning, and art that could possibly make a, help you make a living. Could you make a living from your art? I guess that's one of my goals with my new publishing company is how much fun would it be to just get paid for being creative? <laughs> or maybe the art just takes you out of your head. Yes. If you're stressing about today or the virus or, um, you know, maybe it's just an activity that you can lose yourself in mm-hmm. and stop thinking about what might happen if you stop paying attention. (laughs) Exactly. And like, what a great thing to get out of your head and into your heart, because I think that's what I love about art is that it really does come. Your imagination comes from your heart. It's not just something that you're thinking about the process with your head. I mean, that's part of the practice of, of it becoming mastering your art. Um, but that you're tapping into another part of your brain that you don't often always use. What would you do if you had more courage? Mm-hmm. What would I do? That's, do, you have, do you have all the courage you, you want? No, never. It's a practice. It's definitely an ongoing um, thing to do. Right now, I'm trying to get the courage to help pitch um, a book that just came out, the, the book we mentioned called Resilient Threads, and saying um, this book is perfect for this time, and the words that I'm writing to um, – media stations or newspapers or uh, just other doctors, like this is enough to get um, one other person to pay attention to this book. So um, needing more courage for my own voice and agency, I suppose, is part of it. You know, I think that in this time, we're all challenged, okay? I mean, there's the, you start from the beginning, do I, I mean, number one, you know, my goal is to stay home as much as possible because I think that that's, in my best interest and something I can do for the world. At the same time, um, you know, there's just that I love where I live. I love my home. I love, I love my family. I mean, there's so many things that work in my life right now that there's almost a feeling of guilt because I think about all, I look out the window and I know that there are people out there that don't have work or possibly don't have enough food. And, so there's that idea of how do you how do you how do, how do you have the courage to create your own life even though you know that other people around you don't have everything they need? I mean, is it is it courageous to live your best life and to come from that place of love to to bring that joy to the world even though people around you are suffering? Well, I love that you named all the things in your life that um, bring you joy and that you love. It sounds like your life is full of gratitude and that um, naming the gratitude and and being someone who holds that kind of space for other people is an expression of being create is is a creative act because you're instead of diminishing others or wallowing in your own guilt and feeling stressed from your guilt to be able to stand in that place of love and gratitude may show other people, and you may not even realize it, but you're showing other people how to be appreciative 
of what whatever they do have. I mean, it's not just about materialism um, and having, you know, certain things that can make a happy life. Um, but one of the things that you you said um, brings up for me the idea that that I learned in the book too is that we don't always um, just because we don't see something as courageous that we're doing doesn't mean that courage doesn't exist. There was a researcher that I interviewed named Monica Warline who, who did um, sociological research on courage, and she went into the work, workplaces and asked people to tell her stories of courage in the workplace. And 80% of the people who responded told stories of someone else being courageous at work. They hardly ever looked at themselves as being courageous. And what she said is that um, it didn't negate or wipe out that courage for you not to think that you were being courageous. You have access to your own inner landscape. So somebody who speaks up on behalf of a project that looks really challenging said, oh, that was easy because I've done it in my previous job, so I knew it could be done. So they they know why it wasn't a big deal for them, but other people who witness it see it as courage. And so what Monica said, I just love this phrase, is courage exists in the spaces between us. And so mm. when we're exemplars for each other, we're creating courage in these spaces. And a few weeks ago on um, the news one night, I saw a doctor saying that fear will fill in the blanks. So when we're sitting with all this uncertainty right now, it's so easy for all of our worst case scenarios to show up and start filling in that void. Um, and then we spiral out of control into the worry. But when we see other people exit acting with courage, it can encourage, it can bring a sense of encouragement. And I think that um, that leads to that fifth, a fifth type of courage, which I never um, knew before, named um, by the woman named Bree Newsom, who, who pulled the, the um, Confederate flag down in South yes. Carolina a few yes. years ago. She said that was an act of, this is a moment for collective courage. And collective courage is what the pandemic is asking us to recognize right now. It's our interdependence. It's um, a moment when we recognize that the whole world um, needs people to step up and show up in whatever capacity, whether that's helping your neighbor or finding the vaccine. Um, and so that sense that if we filled the, the emptiness with love and compassion and kindness, we could be, create some more courage between us a collective courage and a sense of hopefully some optimism for getting through and something different on the other side. We will get through. We will get through this together and we are creating, we are creating our next world and the way we treat one another now, the way we, and, and it's so, I love hearing those positive stories about people that are stepping up and making masks and donating them or feeding people or, um, you know, the world, the world, I can't think of his name. Andres, the, the the chef that's feeding like 300 families a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. I mean, that's just cooking to feed the world. And he's been bankrupt before. So, I mean, he's come from ground zero back up. Yes. And just, I mean, there's so many stories of love and support and community. And I love, I love the idea of collective courage. So how do we get from where we are today to be part of that whole collective courage? 
Well, I think it takes practice um, and an openness to each other. Um, I think of my courage quintessentials again, um, true self, trust, community, and two practices I didn't name yet. Um, Paradox is a practice. And by paradox, it means that two great things can be true at once. So instead of either or thinking, it means looking for the both and. And that can mean love and loss, uh, grief and joy coexisting. Um, Even fear and optimism can coexist. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're in that mindset at the exact same moment. But if you can learn to flow from one to the other and say, I can be really sad at all of the loss and I can be really content with slowing down right now. That's a moment of, of practicing paradox is to look for what's both and. Um, I think the trust, I can trust in myself and I'm going to look for people that, um, that I can also trust. Um, does that make sense? Does the idea yes. of practicing paradox make sense? I, I love your description of that, but can can you start with the was the first one authentic self? Can you speak to each one of the the different the five things that you're talking about? Sure. So um, I I would draw this on my hand with a sharpie, um, and I've done that before. It's kind of messy, but on my index finger, this is how I remember um, what my courage, my five things are. I can remember what I need to do about courage on one hand with my index finger. I think of true self. And I point to my chest and I say, who am I in my heart? Who, what, what is my soul here to do? What are my strengths? Um, even what are my shadows and challenges? What are those four corners that I tend to go to? And if I'm aware of that, it's about creating self-awareness, but also recognizing that if I'm taking care of myself, then I have the energy to take care of other people that I love and care for. Um, on my middle finger, I would write the word trust. And, um, you know, if you only have your middle finger up in the air, that's not trust at all. So that's <laughs> what I remember. You put your index finger and your middle finger together, and that's the peace sign. Um, if I can trust in myself, I can have more inner peace. Um, but I, need, I do need to look for what I can trust and, and pay attention to when I'm reacting out of fear instead of responding with trust. Um, If I hold up three fingers, that ring finger is where I would write the word community. And community is finding my people, um, finding who I want to be with, who I care about, who matters to me that I want to fight for, you know, whether that's my son, uh, my mom and dad, my best friends. um, But, you know, trust is in between. So it's, it's trusting community and myself. And on my pinky is I would write the word paradox, partly because P and paradox and pinky all go together, and I love that silly reminder. Um, but it's the littlest finger, and it might be the most important lesson I've ever learned is to look for the both and in life and not just the black and white either or. I always want to look for another creative solution and option to what I think might be only this answer, only that answer, there might be a third way if I think about um, a both-and solution, a win-win solution, even if it's just an argument with myself. And on my thumb, I would write the word reflection, and I would use my thumb to point to each of my other fingers one at a time to kind of say, (laughs) all right, true self, trust, community, paradox. 
And reflection is being able to reflect on those other pieces and reflect on my life, go inward, look inward, um, look, take a moment to notice if there's other people being a mirror for me at a mo- at, at any one time that are showing me either exemplary courage or something that um, rubs me the wrong way, which is really telling me something about myself that, that I'm being triggered by at any one time. So reflection is just so great. And if I think if, if I did that um, with those five types of courage that I'd put on my other hand and I put my hands together, then all of a sudden I'm cupping my hands together and I can hold more complexity. I can hold the tensions and the uncertainty of the moment. Um, and I once held a little bird in my hands who had hit my window and his eyes were fluttering oh. and I didn't know if it was going to make it or not. But I just held it and just kind of sent loving energy to its heart. And I noticed it had little whiskers on the side of its beak. Like, I never had a chance to hold the bird up close like that. But that bird took off after a few minutes. And all the birds in my plum tree started singing. And I just thought, (gasps) that's the kind of fight or flight that I'm going for. I want that kind of flight where it feels uh, rejuvenating and like bringing something back to life. I think that's part of the creative courage. But that's also an act of social courage. And I had to let go of whether that bird was going to live or die. Like, that was none of my business. Um, What a great story. I want to remind our listeners, you're listening to Cosmic Voices, and our special guest today is Shelley Francis, and she's telling us beautiful stories of the courage to create and finding ways to reflect and decide the the best way to go forward and, and true self. I mean, there's been so many ideas. I'm I'm not recapping well, but... D- <sighs> So, you know, finding your true self, I mean, yeah, that's a great place to start out, knowing you're being true to yourself, that discernment, like what is the most important thing? I mean, how do you, how do you determine that skill that you want to, that passion that you want to move forward with? Well, I have two thoughts about that, and I know we're getting close to the top of the hour. Um, it, there are you, some... can, you can, you can uh, give us an answer in the next five minutes to... Yes. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, I could talk about this for days, so that's really fun. Um, There's a thing about asking each other open, honest questions that is a practice that comes from the Center for Courage and Renewal. It's one of 11 touchstones that create this circle of trust approach for helping people tap into their inner wisdom. And my three favorite ones are um, start with asking an open, honest question of somebody that you couldn't possibly know the answer to, but it will give them a chance to tap into their inner knowing. Um, That kind of conversation that you can create with a question that isn't a yes and no answer, but something like, uh, was there ever a time in your life where you um, couldn't wait to wake up and get out of bed in the morning? What would you say? Are you asking me that? Well, that, <laughs> sure, why not? Um, I, yeah, there have been times that I could hardly wait to get up. In fact, often there are times I can hardly wait to get up. Uh, there's a, a couple of things. One of them is coffee. Sometimes at night before I go to bed, I guess I've always got it ready. And it's like, I want that cup of coffee at night, but it's like I have to wait in the morning. And I know as soon as I get up, I can have that fresh black hot coffee. Uh, the spring air, the way it is right now, it's like I could hardly wait to get up, get dressed, and get outside and go walk in the park. Look for the birds. Look for the, the blue heron. For a while now, there's been a great blue heron out at Canyon View. And 
for days in a row, and I was so excited to be able to see it and to, you know, watch it just sit there and be still. I mean, just to embrace and enjoy the day, there's there's just I, to be alive, to feel good in my body. There's, um, yeah, being on vacation, seeing someplace you haven't seen before. Uh, I, I actually call some of my experiences Mexico mornings because it actually can take me back to a specific time where I was spending a lot of time in Mexico. And it was that everything was vibrant and colorful and alive and, um, you know, more real than day-to-day life. And so I love it when I experience Mexico mornings in my life today. Mm -hmm. Did that that answer the question? (laughs) Well, I love that because it brings up like, how do you, that sounds like something that fortifies you is to bring back a memory and that you've kind of named it as your Mexico mornings. You've created this metaphor that, um, sounds like you're really grateful for, but that you can tap into that feeling and and feel that way again. Um, The other thing you asked is just how do you know um, when changes are coming? You know, what else can you do? And uh, there's a a line um, that's actually a a title of Parker Palmer's book, uh, Let Your Life Speak. And Mm -hmm. it's how do we know what what to do next? and another line from a Rilke poem is living the questions. So if you set a question for yourself, but live into the answer rather than expect and de- or demand an answer, answer to come, you know, by tomorrow or by Friday. Oh, I love that. So having help people help you hone in on the question that you're asking for your life, um, who can you trust to have conversations where it doesn't turn into fixing and saving and advising which is another one of our touchstones. No fixing, no saving, no advising means I'm here to support you having your insights and awakenings, but I'm not going to try to enforce my thinking on yours. I'm not going to short circuit what your soul knows. I'm just going to help your inner wisdom come out. Um, And so letting your life speak might look like COVID showing up all of a sudden and you losing the job that you already hated. Um, and giving you a chance to think of what would you like to do with your time instead. Um, or, I mean, that's an extreme example, and not everybody hates their jobs, although there was a statistic from Gallup that said how that there's just, I can't remember if it was 50 or 60 or 80, but how many people are dissatisfied with their work. Um, so it, sometimes it's that door closing that opens a window, Um concept um when everything ends in your life and you think oh my god now what um what can you do to say well now what what's possible um the instead, bl- the instead blessing. Of the, yeah what's the blessing what's the silver lining i've heard a lot of people talk about silver linings right now yes and it's about finding meaning in your life from my what that's what i think watching for miracles yes. every day mm-hmm. um boy this hour goes so fast Shelly, if you, I mean, if you had one thing that you wanted to give, one thought that you wanted to share with the listeners today, you've, all of this information has been wonderful. I've so enjoyed our conversation. It's been spectacular. One final thought that you want to leave with people? Well, for me, I would say that um, courage is an act of self-care. And I think that kind of turns it on its head because um, often we think that when we're acting courageous, we're doing it on behalf of someone else or for the greater good. 
Um, but when we take, when we make the time to prioritize ourselves putting on our own oxygen masks or our N95 or our hand sewn masks, mm-hmm. um, we are, or, or when we do something courageous like, um, changing our life even, or taking a job that people don't understand, um, we are being an exemplar for others, but we're taking care of ourselves so that we will have more energy to take care of other people and bring our gifts into the world. And the world needs people who feel alive and awake um, so that, you know, remembering that we're all in this together. Shelly, I feel more courageous right this very moment just from visiting with you, and I've so enjoyed your thoughts and your ideas about courage and the different types of courage. Um, Do you want to share contact information with our listeners? Sure. You can find me online. um, On my website is creativecouragepress.com, and from there you um, can find links to my blog. I have a blog called Fortitude, and um, I'm play with my elephants and photos on Instagram at Shelly L. Francis. Also, Shelly L. Francis is my Twitter handle. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here with us today. You've been listening to Cosmic Voices with Ramona Ray and Dulcie, a monthly show dedicated to conscious conversation. We're on the first Tuesday of every month at noon. Dulcie Belbull is Astrology Reports, and information about her upcoming workshops and classes can be viewed at astrologybydulcie.com. Thanks for listening, and may the power be with you. Here they come, samurai of the sun.